This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be Nation Pop Experience. Welcome back to Pop Goes the Classics as we make our way through the full-length animated features from the Walt Disney Animated Pictures Company. I am Andy Addison, one of your tri-hosts. Today, we are moving onward, forward, all the way back in time to feudal China. You know, this time, the princess saves the prince. The flower that blooms in adversity is the most rare and beautiful of all. Well, that's a little teaser. For you, but let me get my other tri hosts in here and then we'll go in and deep dive into the movie we'll be talking about today. First off, to my right, although y'all can't see me because this is a audio only uh, podcast, Miss Miranda Bertholdt. Miranda, how are you? Hello, I was muted. I am good. <laughs> <laughs> if it only was that easy, I'll tell you. Ha 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 ha. Oh, come on. You miss me. Anyway. <laughs> I wouldn't like if I were muted. That's why yeah. everyone's here. Well, not just for me, but, you know. <laughs> anyway. I know, I know. And to my left, Mr. Steve Riddle. Steve, how are you? I'm good. Glad to be back again. And we are definitely going to be seeing uh, what our reflection will show us, who we are inside with this uh, movie we talk about. I, I saw like what you did there. I like it. I like it. Bloody clever, I'll tell you. Yes, we are watching from 1998, Mulan, the animated version, the 36th picture of, like I said, of the Disney company. So I really like this movie. It, it's a movie that, uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny. It gets some love, but it doesn't get enough love, I think. It's it's one of those, it's, it's mid-tier, I'm guessing. It's not... Up on Lion King and, you know, Aladdin, Snow White, Cinderella. It's not on that level, but it's very high next tier, I think, because of the the voice cast. And it was the first one set in uh, China, actually. Because you, when you sit there and you go through the anime features and, and you think about what where they've taken place. A lot of them have been in France and there's been Germany and England. I can't believe they took them this long to set one in China. You know, we haven't even had one in like the bayou in the swamp yet at this point. We will have one, one of my favorites. But I just love the setting in this movie. And it is, it is uh, you could say it's underrated, I think, in my opinion. I did see this in theater. I really did. And I did uh, like it. Now, uh, it's funny that Eddie Murphy does Mushu in this movie really just right before his biggest voice part, which is Donkey and Shrek. Mm-hmm. And it was like a big deal that Eddie Murphy was doing this. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it, the other, his next one blows up. But Miranda, what are your thoughts on, on seeing this movie for the first time and, and your memories of it? I'm pretty sure I did see this one in the theater. Um, it was another one that my grandfather would have dubbed for us. I do absolutely remember him dubbing this one as well. Um, 
I don't remember who I saw it with, but I know I saw it in the theater. So I'm guessing it would have been with my cousins that I've mentioned before. And I remember really enjoying it. Um, I think Mushu is my favorite part, um, which I guess I also have to say that Donkey is one of my favorite animated characters ever, which I know is another movie, but it makes sense that Mushu would be like my favorite from this. And then Donkey would be my favorite as well. So. Yeah, makes makes perfect sense. Steve, what are your memories of uh, seeing this for the first time? Well, I know I definitely didn't see it in, did not see it in the theaters when it first came out. I do remember seeing um, again like the spots for it on TV, and I may have seen like bits and pieces of it, you know, over time. Uh, but it really wasn't until um, when I watched it um, for my uh, reviews that I watched it like in its entirety. Um, and I definitely agree. I think this is a very underrated film. Uh, it doesn't get the the, you know, gets should definitely deserves a lot more love. And I just and I remember when I did watch it for the first time, how much I really enjoyed it. And um, I definitely agree about, excuse me, about Eddie Murphy that um, if it wasn't for him being Donkey, um, this is probably going to be like this would be the role I think he's best remembered for in terms of an animated film. And and the rest of the cast, I mean, you know, we got some you know decent uh, you know names here. I mean, you got um. You know George Takai from uh, from the Star Trek series, and then you've got uh, Mr. Miyagi, uh, Pat Morita as um, as the Emperor. So some pretty decent um, decent names there, along with more with some names that are pretty big in terms of uh, like voice acting too. So you know they 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 stacked the cast here for this film. So good for them. Yeah, yeah, and some voices you wouldn't have expected. Now I'm sure if this is out today, I think there might be some backlash on um, casting some non-Asian voice actors in, in Asian parts. But at the time, you know, they, would you ever think Harvey Firestein would be cast as a voice for, you know, doing a, a Chinese, you know, man? I, I don't, I don't think so. It does, it does it justice to the character though. And Miguel Ferrer is so good as, uh, as the bad guy. I'm trying to remember is uh, Shen Liu, I think his name is off the top of my head. Sean Yu. Sean Yu, yeah. So, no, it, it, it is tremendous. Uh, so let's get into the movie and uh, let's talk about it. So during the Han Dynasty in ancient China, the legendary Great Wall fails to keep out the notorious Hun army and their ruthless, ruthless leader, Sean Yu. The alarm is raised and the emperor, uh, as Steve mentioned, was Pat Morita. And this is uh, General Li with mobilizing an army to protect China. The wise emperor reminds the general that one man may be the difference between victory and repeat defeat so then we cut to uh fa mulan voiced by ming na wen who by the way is one it might be the only triple threat i guess she she takes place she's a disney princess right she is part of the star wars universe and she's part of the mcu so i don't know if anybody else can can lay claim to that uh she is the teenage daughter of prosperous farmer fazu and nervously prepares for her meeting with the village matchmaker. Though clever and kind-hearted, Mulan is a tomboyish klutz who has little faith in her ability to become a poised and dignified bride. After rushing through her morning chores, she meets her mother, Fali, and grandmother, voiced by June Foray, who you hear in so many different animated uh, movies and shows. Most famous voice is Rocky, uh, Squirrel, Rocky the Squirrel from the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. In town and is bathed and dressed before joining the other girls at the matchmaker's house. We get honor to us all. Our first song, 
Milan's eccentric grandmother insists that Milan take a live cricket with her for good luck, but the insect escapes from his cage and wreaks havoc at the meeting. Milan is deemed a disgrace and is told she will never bring honor to her family. So I'm going to stop there for a second. One thing I do remark, though, uh, about the opening, and I, I really did love the beautiful Chinese calligraphy we get in the opening tile sequence. I thought the animation of the Great Wall of China was really great. The uh, opening attack on the wall by the Huns was was really was was a very uh, a good sequence, you know, with the with the with the uh, I guess the fight choreography that they did. Um, we we get a little glimpse into Milan as she shows her ingenuity with doing chores and by using her dog little brother. She is a typical she is not a typical Disney princess and heroine because she goes against what she's supposed to do. Actually, that maybe could be a typical Disney princess. We've seen that before with uh, some others. Steve, what are your thoughts on the opening of this as we get introduced to some of our characters? I like the opening here. Um, like I said, you, you kind of, they start off right off the bat with, um, with Shen, with Shen Yu and the Huns, you know, breaching the Great Wall and getting into China to kind of set things into motion. Um, we again, you know, like I said, we then get to meet, we meet the emperor and his, um, his council there, uh, Chi Fu, who becomes kind of like one of the, um, the like the comedic, comedic effect characters of the film that we see throughout throughout it, and um and then yeah we get good little introduction here to Milan, um as she as like you said we she's trying to you know you know bring honor to her family and her you know her father's you know just trying so hard and to um you know praying to the to the ancestors that she does well and I, <laughs> the dog um dragging that feet around like all around um. Fajo and then the chickens coming in was was an interesting sight. Um, I like the um, the cricket, uh, Cricky, I think is his name. I think he's a very uh, underrated sidekick to Mulan. Um, you know, the the whole point of him is like he that he brings luck and like you said, you know, honor to us all is a fine little song that all the the ladies sing as they go to meet the uh, the very surly matchmaker. So, and um, Poor Mulan just can't catch a break um, with trying to, you know, impress the matchmaker. But um, yeah, just again, just a great um, intro to the film. You get to, you inter- immediately know who, who these characters are, and right off the bat, you feel, you know, really bad. You feel so bad for Mulan, who's trying to, you know, do well by her family, but just can't, you know, just like you said, she's a, she's too much of a klutz, and it's unfortunate for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Chifu becomes that annoying character that that little snitch that you see in a lot of comedies where they're like, uh, they have our main characters have to kind of outsmart or, or, or dispose of in order to, to get uh, what they want done. So he, he shares his purpose voiced by the great James Hong also. Uh, Miranda, what are your thoughts on the uh, opening few scenes of this movie? I really enjoy the opening few scenes of the movie. I think it's kind of like sets the tone for everything between the contrast, you know, with us meeting the army and then like seeing Milan and um, how she is. I liked that Steve brought up like she's just kind of like clumsy, klutzy, like she's just like an everyday girl, basically. Um, And I really enjoy that. I also think the little cricket is very underrated and people forget about him a lot. I had as well until I did a rewatch. I was like, oh, yes. He is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's one lucky cricket. Right. Um, so, and we have, the, so with the song Honor to Us All, basically tells the story of what Mulan, her, her predetermination is to be. And grandmother is 
my one of my favorite characters in the whole movie because she's got a lot of really great one-liners. We get the, her best one-liner comes at the end of the movie, but she she is just such a delight in in this. Since, since Mulan has no siblings, kind of we need that wisecrack in human. We can't have a you know uh, a, a dragon dragon have a uh, bit of a uh, all the fun there. And the uh, the matchmaker is a uh, a tough cookie, pretty much uh, a disaster for her. So she is deeply ashamed. Lulan returns home and laments that she is not the daughter her parents deserve. And we get the song Reflection, which is a really beautiful song, in my opinion. Her father, however, comforts, comforts her with the metaphor that the cherry blossom late to bloom may be the most beautiful of all. Then we get to the emperor's small councilman, Shifu who arrives at Mulan's village to draft one man from each family for the Imperial Army. Mulan watches in fear as young men are called forward to receive their orders, knowing that her aging and weak father will be called up as well, being the only male member of the Fa family. As Fa Zhu is summoned by Chifu, Mulan pleads with her father for her father to be excused for battle as he's already a veteran and is afflicted with an injured leg. Fa Zhu reprimands her for her interference and insists he will go to training camp the next day with other soldiers. Knowing her father will die if put in combat again, Mulan makes a desperate decision. After her parents are asleep, she cuts her hair short, dons her father's armor, and takes his draft information before riding out to the camp in his place. Fa Zhu and Fa Li awaken to discover with horror that their daughter has left to join the army. They cannot go after her, for impersonating a soldier is a capital offense, and Mulan will be executed if her identity was revealed. Grandmother... Fa prays to their ancestors to protect Mulan. So really, the movie picks up pretty quickly here. We we get into, you know, our, uh, as we in screenwriting say, the inciting incident, which is the whole drafting and Mulan deciding to take her father's place. He is a, uh, one thing I love about Mulan's father, he is an understanding man who loves his daughter. He's also an honorable man willing to fight for his emperor again. Um, so Miranda, put in Milan's place, would you do yeah. the same thing? I think I would. Yeah. Uh, I, based on the eight, like now, no, I'm too broken. I'm too old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am her father at this point, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> I, I think if, if we're talking about basing ourselves, basing yourself at like that point in your life, I think I absolutely would, um. It, it was a requirement, and she knew, like, if my father goes, he's not returning. He's going to die. Um, I'm young, and I'm capable. I can do this. So, yeah. All right, and what are your thoughts on the uh, on the song, Reflection, as well as this kind of interaction with Mulan and her father? I think it shows um, the kind of relationship that they actually have, which I think is very important um in this story because he did not force her to do this this was her decision in its own and i think um showing their relationship and the kind of relationship they have is very important the song itself is absolutely beautiful and i've heard it um redone and covered a few times and every time it's just so fantastic and i think people sometimes 
forget about it because I think you were right at the top of the show when we started and you said it it's not so much that the movie is underrated which I think it is um but I also think that it has a very niche following maybe is the right words um because like they do have a presence in the park and you do find little girls that are like I love Milan um but it just doesn't seem like it's as often um but then when you start talking about the music is when I think you really have people especially the song that are like, oh, absolutely, Mulan is amazing. So I think the song really has resonated with a lot of people, especially of our age and our generation, um, throughout time, obviously. Yeah. Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely you can see Mulan's, um, the struggle within herself that, you know, she doesn't, she obviously doesn't want her father to go out, so she decides to go in his place, and, you know, that's a, that moment where she like cuts the cuts her hair with the sword and you know takes his armor and then you know rides off on the on um on her horse is such an is such a great moment and i do agree um i think reflection is a really great song i feel like it doesn't get remembered a little more just because there's another song we're about to talk about that um everyone remembers from this film um and I think when you think of reflection, you think not really of the the version in the film, more so you think more so of the um, the version that Christina Aguilera does at the end, um, the pop version that eventually would go on to launch her career. But I do think that reflection is a really wonderful song that does that should be remembered a lot more for how good it is. But um, but in all, I think yeah, great song. You know, little like you know back and forth with Mulan and her father, you know, when he kind of imparts the wisdom on her. And then, like like I said, you know, the moment where she kind of realizes what she has to do and, um, you know, goes through the, to the notions to, um, to fulfill what she thinks is going to be, what she thinks is her destiny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Very, very good. Uh, so then we go to a small temple on the Fa's property, the spirits of the ancestors awaken to discuss what to do about Milan. Mushu the dragon, voiced by Eddie Murphy, a, disgrunt, a disgrace former guardian, is sent to awaken the great stone dragon, the most powerful guardian, to bring Milan home safely. While grumpily trying to wake the statue by ringing a ceremonial gong, Mushu accidentally reduces it to rubble. He manages to hide this mishap from the ancestors and counters Cricky, the lucky cricket, who had accomplished Milan. Accompanied Mulan the matchmaker. Sorry, like my eyes are bothering me today. The two eventually decide to go after Mulan themselves. Mushu plans to help Mulan excel in the army, thus earning his place back among the ancestors as a guardian. As China continues to prepare for war, Shan Yu and the Huns are riding quickly through the wilderness toward the city. Hun soldiers capture two Imperial scouts, and Shan Yu tauntingly instructs them to tell the Emperor to send his finest troops to battle the Huns. Reasoning that it only takes only one man to deliver a message, Sean Yu has one of the scouts executed. So, Steve, your your thoughts on the introduction of, of Mulan, as well as this is where we get George Takei as ancestor number one. I I thought this temple was really beautifully animated. I don't know about you, but what do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, just seeing ever, all the ancestors come up and then like going back and forth about... Um about Mulan and and it's funny like the original you know they the whole their whole plan was to um to bring her back and like you said Mushu inadvertently destroys the the great stone dragon and so he decides to go out himself uh, mainly because he it's kind of interesting like he and Mulan both have their own goals but they go they're 
but their reasoning behind it is like behind them are different. Like Mulan was, you know, is going in to protect her father and, you know, to, you know, help her family. Whereas Mushu clearly just wants to get his status back as a guardian. And he feels that the way to do it is to, I don't say manipulate Mulan, but to kind of, but to, to, to help her become, you know, a strong soldier. And, um, and then like you said, that scene where uh, Shan Yu and the Huns capture the scouts and then, yeah, that, that just that great moment of Sean Yu where he's just like, how many men does it sit, does it take? How many men does it take to deliver a message? And you see the the archer just go like one, and then you don't obviously you don't see it, but you know the implication that the one scout was killed, like you said. So, um, yeah, just a good little moment, couple of moments here as uh, Mushu now is going on his journey to uh, reclaim the status he once had, and like we said, you know, just brilliantly, um, brilliantly done by Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Miranda, what are your thoughts? I think, sorry, I keep uh, purposely muting myself, so <laughs> not not listening, I promise. Um, I think it's fantastic. I really like, um, like you, I really enjoyed the ancestral home, like, and seeing all the ancestors. That was really um, beautiful. Eddie Murphy as Mushu, chef's kiss, I'll say that about a thousand times. Um, and I agree with Steve that like he has his own goals, but it, what I like about this is while he has his own goals, which are different than Mulan's, they kind of also coincide. This is the first time usually we've seen in, in the past where, um, they're, they're very different set of goals. Um, so I did like that. Um, and I think with the whole like killing of one of the Sentinels, Obviously, it's implied, as you both stated, but I think what we're doing here is kind of like when we first met Mulan and she was being all clumsy and stuff. It kind of is setting everybody up for, like, the type of person they're going to be throughout the rest of the movie, basically. Yeah, I agree with that. I, it was funny. I was, I was waiting for, you know, maybe if, if had Mushu gotten caught, he, he could have gotten the you had only one job. Ring the gong. That's all you had to do, Mushu. Um <laughs> And and I, one thing I do uh, remark in the animation in this movie is that the design of the Huns is different from the design of the of the Chinese because they're meant to be a lot more menacing. They're they're ginormous men too for the most part. And Miguel Ferrer is kind of terrifying. He he does not get talked about enough as a Disney villain either. Maybe I don't know. Maybe just because his his I don't know. Because <laughs> he, there's there's no humor to him. There's no sarcasm. He's just one. Not that he's one note, but he, you know he's he's menacing. I mean, because you would think about Ursula, Jafar, Scar. You know the great villains. They they are they have that sarcasm that they can play along. They they have that also kind of cowardice at times. None of that here. None of that here. So. Um, that's one thing I, I do like, but I also think is where, why he, his standing in terms of rank probably, uh, is not that high. So we get Mulan arriving on the outskirts of the training camp, terrified of her task and dejectedly telling her horse, Khan, another great Disney horse, we should do a top 10 of Disney horses, that it would take a miracle for her plan to work. As if on cue, Mushu and Kriki appear with Mushu falsely introducing himself as a trusted guardian sent by her ancestors and promising to help her become a model soldier. 
Mulan timidly enters the camp and following Mushu's bizarre instructions on how to impersonate and interact with men, she inadvertently causes a brawl. The ruckus is quelled by Captain Lee Shang, which is voiced by B.D. Wong, the son of General Lee, who was appointed by his father to train the new troops while Lee takes his army to, to protect the Imperial City. Shang is unimpressed with the sloppy new recruits, especially awkward Mulan, who presents herself as Ping, Fazu's little scene son. The next morning, training begins in full. This is especially harrowing for Mulan because her fellow soldiers are still angry with her for the camp-wide fight the previous day. None of the recruits are especially skilled or athletic, but Shang proves to be a diligent coach. We get the I'll Make a Man Out of You sequence, which is sung by Donny Osmond, who uh, kind of gets a little career resurgence here, uh, in the mainstream at least. From this song, the troops steadily improve as Mulan finally redeems herself by being the first soldier to conquer the seemingly impossible task Shang set for them on the first day. The troops had been burdened with heavy arm weights and told to retrieve an arrow from the top of the enormous wooden pole. Mulan, after some trial and error, cleverly uses the weights to her advantage, scaling the pole and reaching the arrow. The other troops begin to warm up to Ping, especially Grouchy Yao, voiced by Harvey Firestein, Goofy Ling, who is Getty Watanabe, an enormous but gentle Chien Po, voiced by Jerry Tondo. Mulan has an increasingly difficult time keeping her gender a secret, especially since all the men bathe together in a nearby lake. Mushu is called upon to provide distractions when Mushu's identity, when Mulan's identity, is in immediate danger of being discovered. So we get, you know, a lot of uh, action, a little, little bit of action here. We get introduced by our our band of misfits, so to speak. If you if you look at them, you know, all different body types and sizes, different personalities, and one thing that I, you know, I make a man out of you is is probably like Steve alluded to probably the, the best song in the movie I'm thinking. And the training sequence is, you know, training montage. This is like one of the best training montages of any movie ever. I think that I've seen Miranda, what are your thoughts on Mulan? You know, her, when she, when she meets Mushu and how she, uh, fares, uh, getting into the camp and, and hiding her de- while hiding her, her identity. I mean, First off, hiding her identity, that I can't even begin to think of how hard that would be. Um, I mean, I guess there's you can come up with like plenty of excuses, but I mean, if you really want to get into it, man, that's like complicated. I'm just I'm just thinking of logistically as a as a woman, right? Like I don't know. So, I mean, kudos to her. I do think it's really funny how Mushu tries to, like, be her distraction for that. Um, Her name choice, though, I never understood. Ping? Like, there has to be, like, a reason behind that name. But for me, I was like, oh, okay. Um, I guess I would have picked something closer to my own name, maybe. Uh, It takes a long time because it's it's not like they can, like, write back to the family. You know, I was thinking about this the other day with something – something totally different but I was thinking to myself like in the time period that it would have been like it would have been so easy to have impersonated someone especially if you just carried yourself with just enough confidence Mm -hmm. um because like you can't just like write back to the family and be like we have this person they're they look like this they say they're so and so because yeah you could how long does it take that letter to get back to the family and then like for you to get a response as well. 
So it it's by what's the word I'm looking for? I don't can't remember right now. Words are hard. Uh, <laughs> it's very plausible that she could do that, right? Um, but at the same time, like I think it's very like people don't. I know it's just a cartoon, but I think people don't give Mulan enough credit for doing what she did this whole time at training camp. Um, the little band of men, though, for some reason, when they first all appear in my head, I heard, oh, Mary men. <laughs> yes. I don't know why, but that's what I hear. And that is another like Shrek reference. But that that's what I hear. Um, so I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you notice like how how much more uh, handsome and, and buff uh, <laughs> uh, what's his face is so that's, it's it's quite the um it just shows how against the odds they are I guess oh yeah going into it um Steve what are your thoughts I so I like how uh, Mushu like introduces himself to Mulan he makes it like he's this big you know powerful dragon that he reveals himself and she's like. They sent me a lizard, and he's like dragon. I don't do the lizard thing, and he and, and then he sticks his tongue out. I thought that was a good good little gag there. Um, I like the introduction of all the soldiers, particularly um, Yao Ling and Qian Po. I think they're great. All three are great characters. Um, I like. I think Li uh, Li Shang is a great um, teacher, and um, I mean, like I said before, um, when you think this film, you think of I'll make a man out of you, and that's such a great song, and it's funny. Um, because here here in Vegas, um, Donny Osmond has his you know show at um, at Harrah's, and I've always wondered to myself, I wonder if he sings that song during the concert, <laughs> during his show. I think I think it'd be fun. Although considering the majority of his audience is like an older crowd, they probably wouldn't they probably wouldn't know what he was singing. So <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It was just some, I thought that was kind of I something I think to myself. And yeah, whenever you need to uh, get um, get a um, mo- get something done quick you always go with a training montage. <laughs> it always works best to see this, um, this ragtag group of, uh, of people go to, you know, from, from klutzes to, you know, train hard and trained soldiers and, um, specifically move on. Um, you know, I think having her be the one to retrieve the arrow from the top of the post, I think was a great, um, moment there. And to answer your question about, um, about why she chose the name ping. If you remember, like, you know, Shang's, you know, telling, asked, demanding to know her name, and um, at one point, Mushu's like, you know, oh, Ping, he was, he was a friend I had. That's where I think that's that's where she got the oh. name. So, yeah. Okay. So, but um, but yeah, and then like to see like these um, like everyone like you know, hate her at first, and then eventually kind of warm up to her and be you know become friendly with her. Um, I think is really is really nice too. So just a good little um, couple of scenes here. Yeah. So a lot, of, like, you, know, you get bonding, and you get them getting fish out of the water with their hands, and you know, working with the post staff, and going against the, uh, you know, on the logs and things like that. It's yeah, it's 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 really. Um, I had a thought, and I totally lost it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's uh, you know what's funny too is that the her getting the arrow is. I don't know if I want to say it was was copied in Captain America, the first Avenger, where Steve kind of uh, uses his wits to take down the pole. Uh, you know, if I don't know if you guys remember that scene before he became Captain America when he was about to kicked out of the uh, 
of the uh, of the army. Uh, you know, Tommy Lee wanted to get rid of him, but yeah, she it showed that you have to you know have determination and use your brains as much. And when you don't have the physical traits, you have to you know improvise and and, and do your best. Um, so we get also um, you know it kind of also reminded me of Stripes a little bit with the makeup of of the uh of the group and then uh yeah and of course you know they were going to turn around so we get uh shang yu who plans to move his army through the mountain pass which is the swiftest route to the imperial city though he determines that general lee and his army are already guarding the pass shang yu confidently leads the huns to battle the imperial troops Shifu, the Emperor's Council, has remained at Shang's camp to compile the report on the new troops. Though the soldiers have successfully completed training, Shifu remains unimpressed and behaves rudely towards Captain Shang. Mushu, continuing his plan to transform Mulan into a war hero, has Kriki forge a letter from General Lee requesting backup troops to the mountain pass. The ruse works, and Shang marches the troops out of camp the following day. During the trek, Mulan's friends keep their spirits up by daydreaming about their ideal woman, a girl worth fighting for, but their optimism is short-lived. When they reach a mount, the mountain pass, they find a village raised and General Lee and his entire platoon slaughtered. Shang is shocked and grief-stricken as his father's death, but is all the more determined to stop Shan Yu from reaching the emperor's, the city and the emperor. So right here, we get our first real... I guess major character death or a character we've known or our characters really get affected with the uh with the death of you know uh general what is it? I lost my notes first general general Shang and uh a girl worth fighting for has has a few meanings cuz they they're talking about like being heroes and, and going back home and all that stuff but really when when they find the doll that's Mulan finding a girl worth fighting for, right? Steve, what do you think here when we start to get really into the uh, into the the movie and, and things are starting to get uh, a little bit more serious for the for the recruits and to quote wrestling business is about to pick up. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's funny that um, the the whole point of them going through was because Mushu had done like the fake letter so that he can get you know get Mulan, you know, moving on, on getting to become a hero. So in, inadvertently, he kind of led them to this, um, to the village and to find out that, um, that Lee, that the general and his troops had been killed. So I don't know that obviously was not his intention, but it definitely, um, it, you know, it was definitely something interesting. Um, Girl with Fighting For is, I think, a you know, kind of cute little song. You hear all these men, the men just talk about all that, like what they look for in a woman. And at one point, Mulan's like, well, well, how about a girl that'll, you know, that has a brain that'll speak her mind? And like, they're like, nah, we don't want that. And my my favorite part of the song was when uh, even uh, Chief Fu was uh, singing him, got himself into the song and said about how he has a girl back home that he loves. And and uh, I think it's Yao who says like, oh yeah, the only girl that loves him is his mother. <laughs> I, I thought that was uh, love that was his a mother. Got to do it like Harvey <laughs> Right. That's yeah. That was that was a funny line. But then and yeah, this um, them finding the village, and um. And then, like you said, Mulan gets finds the doll, and then they find out, and then they find out that you know Lee had been killed. And I mean, 
you know, to see Shane kind of, you know, find out, you know, see his father, know that his father has been killed. And at one point, um, you know, he's trying to stay stoic about it and Mulan goes to comfort him. You know, you can kind of see like the two of them are maybe starting to, um, you know, form their own kind of bond, obviously not knowing, you know, obviously he doesn't know who she really is, but I think it's an interesting um, kind of dynamic that they're starting, that the two of them are starting to form. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And we get a panda for once in this movie, right? It's in oh, China yes. and, and we get a panda finally. Right. I know somebody that knows exactly where the pandas are at the Washington DC at the zoo in Washington DC knows the exact route to take, how long it takes and everything like that. So I got that covered if I ever make it there. Miranda, what do you think about this part? Uh, well, I have been there and seen the pandas, and they're quite they're quite something else. They're Ooh. lazy. They're really lazy. <laughs> it's it's the dream just to, just to be lazy like them and eat and and, I know. and that's it. That's your life, right? Yeah, given a whole speech at that exact zoo in Washington D.C. about what they're doing to help the panda population because they're like. They're just like so blase about life that it's like rolling over on the top of their young, not meaning to, and they're not eating themselves and they're not feeding their young. I was like, whoa. So they're like, we're trying to reboost the population. Wild. I was like, interesting. Um, because apparently they're also so blase that they don't have care about um, making new young. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fun, fun story. Yes, uh, but you shouldn't go see them there. They're pretty. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think we had to have this pivotal shift moment, and I like Steve how you. It's kind of Mushu's fault that they're there, but it's also, it was probably like he had different reasons for writing that letter for doing his his thing, but. I think they needed to come across that or else how long would it have taken for anybody to know that that had happened? Um, the song and then the song that goes along with, um, I think it's really funny. Um, and you're right. It has kind of like double meanings because they have no clue that Mulan is a girl. And then she's realizing that she's worth fighting for herself, like to be who she is. Um, which kind of goes back to reflections. Like, all the songs, in some way, go back to Mulan basically learning that, like, she can be who she is. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I, I, It's sad that you realize that this whole place has been, like, decimated, but it, it's what has to happen, right? So Yeah, yeah they have to experience loss, and it has to become real for them. In order for right. them to to kind of understand what they're what they're going into, and it was interesting. I lo- the the Huns do a little bit of CSI on the uh, on the doll. <laughs> right? No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and Shifu, such such a pain in the ass. Oh my God. So, all right. So we get uh, as Mulan, Shang, and the troops progress through the snowy mountains. Mushu accidentally sets off a cannon and gives away their position. The Huns immediately attack, and it's evident that they greatly outnumber the soldiers. As the Hun army charges towards them, Shang instructs Yao to aim their last cannon at Xian Yu. Though now in direct combat with the Hun leader himself, quick-thinking Mulan swipes the cannon and fires it at the mountainside, causing a huge avalanche that buries Xian Yu and the rest of the Huns. The soldiers run for safety, with Shang and Mulan narrowly avoiding falling to their deaths over a cliff. 
Shang thanks Mulan for saving their lives and gets her medical attention for an injury she sustained from Shan Yu's sword. While unconscious in the medic's tent, Mulan's gender is discovered and she is ousted to the rest of the troops. Shifu pressures Shang to execute Mulan immediately, but Shang, though angry at Mulan for her deception, refuses to kill her. He orders the troops to march on, leaving Mulan in the mountains with her horse and supplies. So, you know, we get a big battle and we get an even bigger reveal here. Miranda, now, as a girl and as young girls watch this, to, to see, you know, her be the one that really kind of wins this battle for them mm-hmm. must really warm you up inside. And then it gets, again, another gets ripped away, though, because yeah. she her her true identity is revealed and you know it's just a, a matter a fact of of the culture the times you know that women were not allowed to be in the army and you couldn't impersonate a soldier and all this stuff so it's not like they were they were doing it to be you know not mean and unappreciative that she she, she did that it's just they have to follow their their rules and their laws so it's a a, a a real roller coaster ride of emotions, I'm guessing. What were your thoughts on this? Um, it's definitely an emotional roller coaster, especially like when I was growing up, and I'd say not so much now, it, it's becoming much better. But even when I was growing up, like there were certain jobs that just women didn't do, you didn't do those things. Um, it was starting to become better because it was the late 80s, early 90s. So, like, a, a girl saying, like, I want to be a lawyer wasn't as frowned upon as, say, it was, like, for my mother's generation or the generation before her. But, like, um, so seeing something like that was pretty cool, like, that she was the one that did this, her, you know, heroic activity. You know, she wasn't even really, and she wasn't doing it to gain hero status. She was doing it because that was the right thing to do. Um, but it, it was kind of hard as well, like you said, for it to then be ripped away because, so they chose not to execute her. Okay, great. But then they were like, they just left her there, which was in some ways an execution of its own. Yeah. Kind of a fate worse than death. Yeah, pretty much. And the fact that like you were just thanking her for saving your life, but the minute you discover that she's not a man, that changes. Like, she still saved her life, and she still, like, the battle was won because of her quick thinking and actions, and that shouldn't matter whether she was male or female. So I don't, I don't think yeah. it's the uh, male or female thing. I think it's the that she lied and deceived them, I think, is really well, what they're pissed. I think if she was just, like, a girl in the village that came out and, like, you know, save them. I think that it would it would bruise their male egos, but they wouldn't be right. pissed. I think. Well, that that's they say something about like impersonating a soldier, and technically she wasn't impersonating a soldier when they took her in at training camp and started training her. She became a soldier. Yeah, well, <laughs> so yeah, she's yeah, not yeah. really impersonating. Not wrong. <laughs> she's not really impersonating a soldier. They made her a soldier. Remember, I'll make a man out of you. <laughs> So like they trained her to be this thing to do this job and I'm I don't know. I but it's it's the pivotal moment in the story. Like it's part of what has to happen. Um and when you look back in history, I could go on for hours about this, but it is infuriating that there are things like that. The whole like, well, you can't do this because you're a woman. Well, but why? <laughs> like my son is always saying, but why? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
so yeah, it has it has a double like it has a lot going on here in this little uh, period of time because you get like so excited like heck yeah and they're all excited together because they made it through it but you know it's just it's a lot. Yeah. Plus also to note here we get I don't know if we had much of it earlier in the film but we get our first real mix of CG. And with mm-hmm. the hand-drawn animation here, especially with the uh, the Hunt army, the arrows, and I think part of the avalanche might be some might, might be some CG. It's definitely maybe more than we've seen before up to mm-hmm. this point in any of the animated features. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts on on this part of the movie? Yeah, this is definitely a really fun battle scene we get where they fight the Huns on the mountain. And yeah, that that um, scene of Shan Yu at the top and just like leading that giant army over the mountains is such an iconic scene or such, you know, such an iconic scene. And, um, you know, Mulan using um, using her head, you know, to use that last rocket to um, cause the avalanche to bury everyone and uh, you know finish him off that way and, and yeah kind of a tense moment there she's trying to save shang and they end up going over the mountain and everyone else uh, and all the other soldiers you know thankfully save them at the last minute and you know you and everyone's like so happy happy they you know so happy for everything but then like then they realize that that she's hurt and then that's when her um her ruse gets discovered that you know they realize she's you know actually a woman and you know Chief Fu, man, he is ruth relentless on her. Like this girl just got, you know, just got injured, but then, you know, when they found out who she really was, you know, he like showed her absolutely no mercy to the point that, you know, he's, you know, by the by the law there, she was supposed to be executed, but Shang ends up, you know, sparing her just, be, you know, in exchange for the fact that she saved his life. You know, now he's basically saving hers by expelling her out of the army and not killing her, and then they end up leaving her behind, which is really it's a sad moment because like she's we talked you know you kind of brought up the point there like her whole goals is to be accepted and you know she she's you know she can't she's you know she's too much of a klutz to be accepted by the by the by the village she lives in that she's you know she's called a disgrace by the matchmaker and then she you know takes her father's place and she eventually gets accepted by the other soldiers and then they find out she's not a man she's a woman and then they abandoned her again and now they abandoned her so it's really kind of just this you know this longing of acceptance for Mulan and again we go back to like you said you know what will her you know what does my reflection show who I am inside? And it's just really a great, um, this whole film really, it's just been a really good journey for Mulan finally coming to terms with who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get also, this is a kind of, this avalanche is, is a harrowing sequence at one point because, you know, you see a Mulan and, and, and Lee almost going over the mountain and Khan, the horse is there to help save the day. Mushu comes down basically almost uh, sledding, so to speak, on a uh, on a helmet. We get the rest of the guys who, who were able to hide behind a giant rock and they they pull them to safety. So it's it's a really great scene. And you're like, if you if you look at the at the clock here, you're like, this can't be it. There's another like 35, 40 minutes left in this film, so there's got to be something else coming with these guys. They they can't be gone, right? Uh, that's 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 what I was thinking, you know. And and the the Mulan injury, really, they both are injured too, actually, because he gets shot in the arrow, and then she gets a 
a sword there and it was only a, i think it was only a matter of time before her her she was gonna get blown her identity was gonna get blown so so she's left behind and mulan miserably tells mushu that entering the army was a mistake and that she was fated to dishonor her family Mushu finally admits that he was not even sent by the ancestors, that his mission was a selfish one to get his job back. Even Cricky confesses that he is not truly a lucky cricket. They're all about to give up hope when they discover Shan Yu and many of the Huns survived the avalanche and are emerging from the snow. Mulan, Mushu Khan, and Cricky rush to the Imperial City to warn off of, warn of the coming attack. In the city, Captain Shang and his troops are being hailed as heroes for defeating the Huns. Though surrounded by cheering citizens, Shang, Yao, Ling, and Chen Po are noticeably dejected. Mulan, presenting herself as a woman again, confronts Shang during their victory parade and tells him what she saw in the mountains. Shang dismisses her as a liar, and the members of the crowd are deaf to Mulan's words. On the steps of the palace, the emperor begins a speech of gratitude to the Chinese army, but Han soldiers have beaten Mulan to the city and disguised themselves as a member of the parade. So we're going to pause there. So, Steve, we get, you know, did you think the Huns were done? And and then we get, uh, you know, Mulan coming back. And you could definitely see her the effect that she had, and she was one of them. You know, they were not on board with, with her exile, so to speak. But where, where, are you, where were you thinking here with, uh, you know, all this time left? You knew this couldn't be it for our bad guys. No, you you figured they were probably going to find a way out of the um, out of the snow, and we we talked about um, how good of a villain Shan Yu is. Let's not forget his um, his animal sidekick, that Falcon, um, is a good little, is a good compliment to him as well. So I just wanted to kind of put that yeah, out there. Yeah, well. I, I have in my notes that damn bird. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's it's a good and it is kind of a good thing that um that Mulan was still there so that she could see them, you know, making their way out of the snow. Otherwise, um, you know, Shang and all the other soldiers would never have known that they were coming until it was too late. So um, it's a good thing she was you know there to be able to see it. And you know, like you said, you know, at first they you know dismissed her because it's like because it's i mean to their credit it's like well you you lied to us about who you were you know why should we believe you now and again it's you know it's a little too late because then the um the huns reveal themselves and take the emperor hostage so uh kind of that little bit of um like they like they almost they like they almost definitely like want to believe her but they're not sure if they can you now trust her anymore because of the way that she did deceive them at first so you know, kind of ramping up the tension here. Miranda, what, what are your thoughts here? So I I understand now it makes sense that she was left behind because if she had not been, she wouldn't have um, seen the Huns um, and, and been able to warn them or try to warn them at least. There's a lot of things in this movie and the story in general because this is an adaptation of an actual um, story Um that is debated by many on whether it actually took place or not. Um, but uh, it's a lot of luck, if you haven't noticed, because her choosing to take, you know, take her father's place and then show up and then accepting her, that was completely lucky. Um, the fact that she didn't get, you know, ousted until she did, again, lucky. Um Mushu writing his letter with had one intention, but ended up bringing about another complete luck. So her being there um, 
again, another chance of luck. But I got really frustrated when she gets to town and basically is trying to warn them because they're like, why would we believe you, liar? And I'm like, she lied about one thing. Like, all the conversations that you guys had together and the training that she did and the, like, camaraderie that she showed you, she was not lying in any of those times. Which I guess for some people would be like, did I ever even really know you? Like, if you lied to me about that, what else were you lying about? I understand. But, like, why would she come to you after you dejected her? Like Steve said, like, all she wants is to be accepted. And, like, you didn't. Why would she then take it upon herself and be like, I'm not pretending anymore. My name is Milan. This is who I am. And this is what I saw. Like, why would you lie about that? Like, what do you gain from lying about that? You know? Yeah. And we get, you know, the movie really, it's it's a much smaller setting, but I think it's a lot more harrowing and action packed what we what we're about to uh, to walk into here so to the crowd's horror the huns emerge and seize the emperor carrying him into the palace and bearing the doors knowing of mulan's knack for creative problem solving shang yao ling and chen po turn to her for a rescue plan with all except shang disguising themselves as concubines we get a little reprise of uh be a man i'll make a man out of you actually uh, they infiltrate the palace and attack the Huns guarding the chamber into which the emperor was taken. Shan Yu threatens to kill the emperor if he refuses to bow to him and accept him as a new leader of China. The emperor stoically refuses and Shan Yu prepares to strike, but Shang leaps into action just in time. As Shang and Shan Yu battle, Qian Po carries the emperor to safety. Mulan then attracts Shan Yu's attention by proving herself to be the soldier that started the avalanche, luring him to the roof of the palace for a final fight. Mushu, armed with the enormous firework rocket, launches himself at Shan Yu as the Hun leader is blasted to smithereens in a colorful display. Mulan and Mushu drop to safety on the palace steps. One of the big highlights for me in this scene, I, I wrote in this, uh, you know, the the core group that we we've met, they they get together and they and Mushu gets the bird, I, uh, quote unquote Mongolian barbecue, which I, I really enjoyed that part. <laughs> There you go. Um, but uh, Miranda, wh- where are you? You know, so we get Mulan, who it also shows her character where she could have just said, you know what? I, what? They'll never listen to me. What? What? Why should I do this? And she gets in there and they 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 know her. They they right. they, they feel you know, she because she just has to look and see like they're never going to reach the emperor and she she thinks of this incredible plan. I mean, come on, who was going to dress and drag and, and get get in there? I mean, she she comes up with this ingenious plan and Mushu and Kriki really you know get into it and they all band together really and it's all about the the one person can make a difference thing, right? Right. I mean, well, and if you think about it, she's like, wait, 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 this worked. I was able to fool all you guys for this long. So, what if, um, I do kind of think it's, it's funny how they're like, okay, we should have listened to you, but we didn't. So now what are we going to do? What are you, how, how are you going to fix this? I do think it's really funny. And I think it shows that maybe they didn't like distrust her this whole time. It's, you know, it's that they really didn't have the ability to say much before, um, 
because you know rank and then things and yada yada right so I think it was really funny. Um, I absolutely love the whole like, well, let's just dress and drag and see where this goes. I think it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite parts, honestly. And, and they use the skills they learned in the arrow test. To, yeah, to get so into they're the like, they're actually, yeah, they're actually using their training, which is fantastic. I love that. And, and Mushu gets his uh, his little thing when he comes flying down and he gives a little Batman-esque thing. I'm your worst nightmare. Really funny, uh, funny line there, Steve. What are your What are your thoughts on this part? So I really like this um, this climax here, where, like you said, um, they the the Huns end up, you know, can't, you know, they take the Emperor, and then um, Mulan comes up with this, you know, elaborate plan. And at first, you know, they're not, you know, it, I like how it's um, uh, Yao Ling and Chen Po go first, and and Shang's still kind of hesitant, uh, but then he eventually, you know, tags along as well. And yeah, the fact that they would go through the to um, to dress and drag to distract the guards is funny. And yeah, at one point's like, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like you said, you know, them basically using their training to take out the guards and eventually get to the emperor where, um, at one point, um, when Shane kind of jumps in and makes the save, the emperor just kind of casually walks away, which I thought was always kind of funny. And then uh, they eventually, you know, get him out of there and leads to the kind of the final, um, the final battle here. So yeah, good little, um, you know, kind of closing fight there as uh, they again, use their, their, their intellect and their cunning to take out the guards to save the emperor. Yeah. He's very uh, Mr. Miyagi-esque where, you know, Miyagi doesn't flinch, doesn't show anything, and and that's the same with the emperor. The emperor does not; he's not going to bow down. He's not. He's you know what? I'm going to stand here. I'm going to be me. You're going to kill me, kill me. But I am not going to acknowledge that you are now the leader of China. Um, all right. So as the chaos subsides, Shifu berates Mulan for her actions. Shang angrily defends her until the emperor appears. He explains to Mulan that despite her fraud. She has saved the entire nation of China. In the ultimate display of respect, the emperor bows to Mulan, to do, as do the countless people in the attending crowd. He then offers Mulan a place in his council to the shock of Shifu. But Mulan respectfully declines and expresses her wish to return home. The emperor gives her his medallion and Shan Yu's sword as gifts to honor the Fa family. So we go back to, back at the Fa estate. Fa Zhou is overjoyed at the return of his daughter. Though Mulan presents him with the Emperor's crest and the sword of Shan Yu, he casts the priceless gifts aside and embraces her, assuring her that she herself is the greatest honor to their family. Captain Shang arrives soon afterwards, returning the helmet that Mulan left behind, but awkwardly and awkwardly but happily accepts Mulan's invitation to stay for dinner. Mushu at last is restored to guardian status in the family temple. Mulan thanks him for his help and his adventurous plan. In her adventurous plan, and the ancestors celebrate the Fa family is complete again. I love the ending of this movie, and grandma grandmother has that best line when Mulan says, "Would you like to stay for dinner?" And you hear in the background, "You want to stay forever?" <laughs> I I pop every time I hear that. Steve, what are your thoughts on the closing of this movie? Yeah, really quick, I. I since I, I neglect to talk about the final fight with uh, Mulan and Sh- Shan Yu, I thought was really fun too. And boy, that was uh, quite the uh, the painful way to go for Shan Yu to get blasted in at all those fireworks. Um, yeah, that's gonna get I you mean, right in the mummy daddy. 
yeah. 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 No. No kidding. Um. But yeah. The um. The end there where um, where uh the emperor bows to move on and as as does everybody else. You know, it's such a great moment and. Uh, at one point, and like you said, the emperor offers her a position in his um on his council, and Chief was like, "But we don't have any open positions." And the emperor's like, oh, "I'll just take that she can have yours." And um, <laughs> but she, you know, then you said like she then declines, and then she goes back home, and she, you know, presents these gifts to her father, you know, and you know, thinking that that's you know gonna make him happy, and he's just like, and he's just like, he doesn't care about that. He's just glad, glad she's safe and back, you know, back home, and. Yeah, that was the green light of my grandmother. But another one was like, you know, oh, she comes home with all this gifts, but she couldn't come home with a man. <laughs> and, and then that's, that's when and that's yeah, and then that's when Shang shows up, and then that leads to you know to him staying for dinner. Then nice uh, fun little party there at the end with the uh, the ancestors and the guardians celebrating as Mushu gets his uh, his post back. So uh, in the end, everybody gets what they gets what they wanted. So a good little you know closing to the to the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get an awkward hug also when Mulan throws her arms around the emperor. He's like, I don't hug. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine most emperors at a time did not hug. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think I think it was yeah, I was like, is she allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just an extremely well-rounded um, story. Uh, Miranda, what do you think about the closing of this movie? I absolutely love the closing of this movie. If we didn't get grandma again, I was going to be upset because she's just, she's like, everybody wants a grandma like that, you know, just says what they think. Like I, I had a grandma like I, that. Yeah, I had, I, I had one like that that was like ruthless mean. And then I have one like that, that she's just something else. Um, so I think it's maybe that's why I like her. So uh, no, my, my grandma Dottie was a Jewish person of that, so <laughs> she was I get else. it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> something about grandmas that just say what they think like that is um, is beyond fantastic. brutally honest because they don't give a shit. They <laughs> don't. They, They're they like, live... I've seen some things. I've done some things. I give no shits anymore. And, and I'll, I'll, you know, I don't know how much time I got left, so I ain't gonna, right. but gonna I... pussyfoot and, and beat around the bush here. Exactly. I don't care at this point. Um. So I absolutely love Grandma. The hug that was really funny. I was actually gonna bring that up. The whole like, I, you know, like I said, Awkward. I can't imagine many. Um, emperors or leaders of that that time period would be huggers, so <laughs> it's kind of cute. Um, but I like just how like well rounded everything like fits into place and and ends up ending, and you get your quote unquote Disney happy ending basically. And and where would you rank this movie if we if we don't Ooh. you know obviously we don't do number rankings right. or whatever, but but. Where would you, where would this fall in terms of the Disney canon? Okay, so I think personally, I'm going to have it as a mid-tier because I didn't have the pull and connection to this movie. And it's not because it's not a good movie. It's just um, there's like core memories or meanings attached to other ones that I think are my top tier. So I think I would put this somewhere in mid-tier. Um, because it's a fantastic movie, the rewatch never fails to hit all the great places again. Um, but I don't have, um, like, as you and I go further, um, there's movies that you have and that I have that we have, like, solid memories of that movie with our children. 
And then like past movies, we've all always talked about like, oh, I remember this movie because X, Y, and Z, or it was my favorite because of this. Like I've told the the Beauty and the Beast, my little brother, the whole dot dog and shush up thing. Like that's why I have a connection to that one. And I just don't have anything that ties it. So don't come for me for calling it mid-tier because I think that that's a personal. Now, as far as like on the Disney rating scale, I think it is a top tier because the music, the voice acting, the hilarious sidekick, the like sidekick grandparents, you've got everything in it. You've got a kind of will they won't they story. You've got a young girl trying to find her own, like trying to discover who she is. And what I love about this one is it's not so much about being rescued by a prince, so to speak. Um, It's figuring out you don't need a prince, which is what she's also trying to prove to grandma over there. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think personally it's mid tier. Uh, As far as where it should be in Disney, it should be a top tier. Yeah, I agree with all that. Steve, where, where do you uh, rank this? Really quick though, one we we were talking about mm-hmm. great uh, grandmother lines. Another oh, one, yeah. which when Shang shows up and they point him to where Mulan is, she's he, she goes, "Ooh, sign me up for the next war." That's <laughs> 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 a great great line too. I, I had to, I just wanted to mention that as well. Um, well, of course, um, when I did my reviews of these, I did rank all of the films, and I I can't remember exactly where what what number I, I had this film, but I I know I had it definitely as a um. As a like an upper mid tier, maybe lower top tier, um, because it was a really, it is a really good film, and it's one of those that I think, and, and I've said this a lot about these, um, the films here for kind of like the back half of the Disney Renaissance. That, you know, when you think Disney Renaissance, you think Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Little Mermaid. You know, those first that first half was just so freaking good and epic and i feel like the films in like the second half like this one hercules hunchback you know i think are kind of you know i don't want to say forgotten but they're very underrated and you you don't realize how good they are until you sit down and kind of just watch them and you realize you know these are really good films and are they again on the on the tier of those other films probably not but i think in terms of what we've seen to this point um they're definitely up there in terms of like really good Disney films that should be remembered as such. Oh yeah. I, I, you know, looking at the list, I, this is probably the top one of the late nineties out of the, uh, two, four, about five movies that came out in the back half. I, I would put this as the first, as a top one between this Pocahontas hunchback Hercules and what we're going to do on our next episode. I, I think this is probably the best one out of this group. And I would say upper mid for me, you know, it's, it's just a notch below uh, a few of the other movies and, and, but that's not a knock on it. Mm-mm. You know, the, the, a bad Disney movie is still better than a lot of, a lot of other movies. So, so there's, it's, it's a lot going on and not, not saying this is bad at all. We'll, we'll get to bad in, in a few episodes. Trust me. Yeah, no, this is not mm-hmm. bad. I agree with you. This is not bad. I think we'll, we can all agree that we're getting to some that we're like, I don't think we're even looking forward to doing. <laughs> That's well, all me. Well, there are some that we question why. Yeah, yeah. Made. And this is not one of those. So, I mean, I because I know we're going to have somebody that listens and says like, oh, but Milan is my favorite. It should be. If it's your favorite, scream it from the rooftops. I don't. If one that we think is bad is your favorite, like, I'm sorry, but also scream that from the rooftops. I just think 
But people, one, forget that this is part of the Renaissance, and two, the fact that some of the first few in the Renaissance hit so hard and, Mm -hmm. like, went there, like, woohoo! Like, that you had so many followers, I think this one just tends to get lost in the sauce, basically. Yeah, I mean, this is not, I mean, when we get to, basically from most of 2000, with a couple of exceptions, right? From 2000 to 2005 is a kind of a dark time for Disney animation. It's kind of the opposite of a renaissance because there there are some weak films in there. And we, we, we're going to talk about it. I mean, that's part of do, the fun of doing this, though, is, is some of these I have not watched in a while. And maybe I'll see something and I'll find things that I like about these. Or maybe I'll it'll just reinforce. I don't I, I don't know. But that's why we, we do this. Um, all right. So we can't go though without talking about briefly though did 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 you guys see the live action that came out i don't know was it last year i think it got released or something like that i i did watch it and i actually enjoyed it i i've i've done i've done reviews i did a couple of solo reviews of the live action aladdin and lion king and i would put this up there tied with aladdin for for uh, the live action ones I've liked the most. Now I haven't watched the Lady and the Tramp one. Uh, the I Dumbo, either. the Dumbo one, to me, it's like I liked part of the movie. I I didn't they because they, they had to take a sixty three minute animated feature and make a full length two hour feature. Yeah. Out of it. And it's and, a Tim Burton, right? And yeah, I did enjoy yeah. most of them, a good portion of that movie, but. Michael Keaton as basically a, a evil Walt Disney didn't didn't sit with me right. Um, what Steve have did you uh, watch the live action Mulan? I did. I actually saw it for the first time last month um, okay. when we were gonna when we were gonna be when we were originally gonna record. But um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, pull 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 back the curtain a little bit. Until <laughs> tell that school. <laughs> but no, I do. But I do remember when. It, the when it was supposed to be because it was originally supposed to come out in march of 2020 um mm-hmm. right before the pandemic hit and i remember i was actually planning to see it in theaters that i thought it did look you know it looked really interesting um to kind of see it almost you know because it was kind of of all the f- films that were going to be remade this was one i think you know it made sense to remake this one as a live action because it could work as a live action film and Obviously, after the pandemic hit, it took a while. You know, I just it just kind of got shoved to the back burner a bit. But then, like I said, I saw it for the first you know, finally saw it for the first time uh, last month, and I I agree. I actually thought it was surprisingly really fun. You know, really you know surprisingly good. Um, I don't know if I would have it up there with a couple of other live action remakes I've seen, um, but I think for what we ended up getting, um, it ended. Up, I thought it worked really well, and they kind of you know. Kind of took Mulan into almost kind of making her, you know, her into an action hero almost, um, the way that the film was. So I thought it was a good, good live action remake. Um, as you know, like I said, when compared to some of the other ones, I don't think it was. I don't think it's my all time favorite, but I thought it was definitely a good one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's my all time favorite, uh, but I gave my thoughts like going into Aladdin. I I was I was I was like kind of like had like a a puss on my face like I'm not gonna like this Aladdin's my favorite movie anime movie of all time blah 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 but I loved it I really did because I thought they didn't try to redo the animated movie they didn't try 
to do that. And I was like, okay, I, I, it, it, my, 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 uh, I, I was unclenching as the movie was winning me over basically. Now the Lion King though, I was going in with like, oh my God, this is going to be so good. And I walked out, I walked out of that movie. Like that was completely unnecessary. I did not like the changes they made. I did not like some of the how what scar the design of scar. I did not like that a piece of animal dung was responsible for getting like the the fur from one place to another. I was like, really, shit is a plot device in this movie. Are you kidding me? So, yeah, I did not. I did not like that. Um, so and and always we always try to talk about their the movie's presence in the Disney parks. And unfortunately Mulan does not have a big enough present in the Disney parks. Of course you can go into Epcot and yes, there is a meet and greet of, of Mulan in the China pavilion. And while, and while you're there, try a tipsy ducks in love drink, which I've never tried. And I, I want to try It's supposedly some Chinese drink and it's booze and coffee, liqueur and stuff. It's supposed to be really good. Uh, also, I remember when I was there back in 2006, we went to Ackerhus in the Norway Pavilion to the uh, the Princess uh, Buffet Luncheon, and, and we did meet Mulan there as well. I have a picture of, of four-year-old Jessica with, with Mulan somewhere. Uh, and also in Disneyland, you can probably meet her at the Royal Theater in Fantasyland. I think Mushu is a walk-around character once in the blue moon you'll find, one of those rare ones. I think ones. he's in the parades more now, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I could be incorrect on that, but I think yeah, they, he's more in the parade now. They do have a parade. Uh, and also, why is it not, Mulan, not in Disney's Animal Kingdom in the Asia Pavilion? In the Asia, like, you know, I, I don't know. land, right? And she, and she should be, in, and Mulan should be in Fantasyland as well. Mm-hmm. But you know who knows. Uh, any so any final thoughts, Miranda, on this movie? Um, well, actually, I wanted to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. You brought up the live actions, um, and I have not watched this one. I did watch Aladdin, um, and you were talking about that, and it reminded me: did or did we not? You and I, um, because that's when movies were coming out in theaters regularly. We used to yeah. have a podcast where when a movie would come out, whoever could record together that saw it would. Did we do one for Aladdin? Uh, I think I did that. Did you do that with me or did I do that solo? I know I did the Lion King solo. I, I, because I, Lion King, I hated and I was not going to be part of that. I, I can't remember for certain, but I just wanted to shout out that if you're interested in that, there, I was pretty sure that there was a pod done on the pop feed and I want to say I participated in it. <laughs> uh, it I think I did um, because it, it was it, it's been my favorite of all of the live actions. Haven't watched Mulan, um, haven't watched Dumbo. I'm a huge, huge, huge Tim Burton fan, um, but there were just some things that like I don't know. I I don't have the gumption to want to watch it. Like I that sounds really bad. Um, I'm going to get to the Mulan one though because I've heard amazing things about the fight scenes. So there's that. Um, I was trying to think of anything else. Overall, I think Mulan is a great movie. Um, if you're interested, there are other references to Mulan in Disney media, um, just like around the place. Um, you usually can find Mushu is in the game Kingdom Hearts. Um, Lilo and Stitch, Mulan has, or Nani has a poster of Mulan in her room. 
I thought that was pretty cool. Oh yeah, you do see her. I mean, she's in Wreck It Ralph, uh, the sequel. Mm-hmm. In that, mm-hmm. you know, all the princesses. Scene. Yeah. Yeah, all the princesses. Yeah, I just looked it up. I did that solo, but probably what mm-hmm. you're thinking about, we probably did one of those, you know, summer movie previews or wrap ups or something like maybe. that. I think maybe that's where you talked about it because it wasn't a bird movie. Yeah. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a bird movie. If you're not new here, you've probably heard my voice say that a bajillion times. Hi. It's not a bird movie. It's not a bird movie. Um, Miranda still has PTSD from that. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I don't think I've ever laughed more in a podcast than I have in that episode. That one was a pretty good one. That was a pretty good one. I think, I think there are certain people here that know how to like push my buttons, and they do it just to see what kind of reaction. <laughs> I have, because Andy has stated we don't do this. There is no visual to this podcast. We just record audio. But um, if you have ever recorded a visual podcast with me or met me in real life, you know I talk with my hands and my face doesn't lie. So I think some of you guys say things just to see what Miranda would do. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, on, oh, come on Streamlines with us, too. You could definitely see Miranda getting mad. and, and <laughs> All right. Yeah, I try real hard to, like, no, I'm not good. <laughs> uh, the last thing I wanted to mention of where you can find Milan that I thought was really cool because I am a Marvel fan. Um, in the first episode of Miss Marvel, Kamala's guidance counselor, Mr. Wilson, actually recites lyrics from Reflection to her. Ah, so. very, very cool. Uh, Steve, any final thoughts on Milan? Um, just that I think when you, uh, if you're looking for a Disney film that you haven't watched in a while and just kind of want to, you know, kill a few, kill some time, uh, this is definitely a good one um, to do because I think it is a really good film that doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, mm-hmm. To kind of piggyback real quick about the the whole live action thing, I think when it came to Aladdin, like the expectations for it were so low and everyone thought it was going to suck that it, you know, ended up being such a pleasant surprise that it was so that it did end up being a, a really good film whereas the lion king the expectations were so high that it could do nothing but disappoint so i think um yeah. that's kind of, i think that's yeah, what yeah. it comes down to these live action films either the expectations are either really low that they end up surprising you or they're really high and they end up disappoint i think when mulan was first announced you know the live action i think the expectations were kind of about in the middle um that maybe it could do kind of well but again we ultimately never found out because you know you know, the pandemic turned the world upside down, but, um, but I think, (laughs) um, but again, I think just when it comes to these, um, to this film and to these, like I said, the second half of the Renaissance that these are better films. I think a lot of people give them credit for. And I think if, when you do go back and watch them, you know, you do realize how good they really are. So I think that's Mm -hmm. really the best way to kind of describe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's more live action (laughs) coming uh, yes. Lilo and Stitch. Uh, big uh, one, yeah. big one this year is Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. But there are some that they should really, they really should do because they could probably do it really well. Like Atlantis, Treasure Absolutely. Planet. Mm-hmm. Those, those are two that are are screaming for live action. What was that second one you said? I'm sorry. At- Atlantis and Treasure Planet. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't hear you say Treasure Planet. I, I absolutely agree. I think both of those are underrated films that possibly would do better as a live action than they did as just animated feature that they are. 
Yeah. I don't know. We're not. We're actually not that far off from them. So we'll we'll talk about those as we get there. But wow, two episodes in a row for me sitting driver's seat. I can finally go. Uh, you know, scooch over to the passenger seat because Miss Miranda, you will be driving the next episode. And what is our next episode? Should I really tell everyone, or should I? Let it? I mean, I feel like they already know, but. Well, you gotta say something. Well. It's- up with and you go along um you would know that we will be talking about tarzan the animated film of course there are many adaptations of this but i think this is the only one worth talking about right yeah although it's been a long time i haven't seen it i loved the tarzan cartoon as a kid yes i don't know if y'all have ever seen that one mm-hmm. but that was a great cartoon i've not one i have not watched for a very long time so i don't know if it aged well or not but yeah very excited to to be back with you guys talking about tarzan because they there's some theories there's some some i got some there's some conspiracy theories linking that to another movie i and i got some and i agree with them and i think they is right all right so <laughs> so that's a little that's what we call in the business as a teaser mm-hmm. right all right so steve where can everybody find you in terms of uh, other podcasts, social medias, etc.? Well, over here on the pop feed, you can usually find me with Making Mount Rushmore, where me and a group of guests come on and we just discuss various topics. That's um, that's always a lot of fun with the different um, groupings we have and the different topics we talk about. So check that out. Also, the video jukebox song of the day. That's at this point pretty much it's just you, me, and uh, Keith are doing are doing all those. <laughs> but um, but yeah, check you know every day we watch we watch a random music video and just talk about it. So um, talked a lot of great videos. We've had some really good theme weeks. On these last couple of months, we got some more on the way, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, over on the PTB Wrestling feed, you can find me with Extreme Resurrection, where me and James Grunberg are going through the WWE revival of ECW. Um, our most recent episode, we talked the last two episodes um, right before WrestleMania 23. So, hyping up the the Battle of the Billionaires, the the big eight man tag between the originals and the new breed, uh, and of course CM Punk's involvement in the Money in the Bank match. So. You know, check that out. And also, I ventured over to the North-South Connection feed for a recent episode of No Holds Barred, where I joined uh, Aaron, JT, and Jenny as we did a draft of our favorite wrestling couples. Obviously, for the month of February, you know, did something. We did that. So be uh, so be sure to check that out. Um, other than that, you can usually find me over on the uh, PTB Facebook page, where you can find lots of great stuff going on over there. Um, we are currently dropping the. Um, the GWWE revisited list um, there, as well as on the uh, place to be nation.com website. So keep, so obviously, so that's going down as well. And um, yeah, just keep an eye out. Also not to um, obviously to tease something. Um, we may have a future uh, tournament starting up here in the next, uh, the next week or so. So be sure to check back with the Facebook page and be on the lookout for that. All right. Very good. Um, Miranda, what do you got? Um, so, you know, I'm basically just housed here on the pop feed. I live, I just live here. There's, there's a trailer in the back that Andy sometimes puts a blanket in for me. Um, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) I won't talk too much about the, uh, Facebook group because Steve just did. So go check it out. Um, of course, please check out the website. Tons of articles that are written by various people, especially, uh, the wonderful Steve he has a whole lineup of Disney that you can read as well. Um, 
and it ta- of course links you to every podcast we have and all of our brother and sister feeds. But if you want to hear me more, which I don't know why you would, but I'm glad you do. Um, you can look specifically for Andy and I on the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, muppetational podcast. <sighs> I did it. Wow, you did it. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. Um, or you can find me uh, as one of the co-hosts of Bells with Books or uh, one of my resurgence of a podcast uh, called Lady in the Beard. That Andy's going to be like, don't talk about it unless you're going to get me the write-up. And in which case, this makes me have to get him the write-up. Uh, so that's coming soon <laughs> as well. Um, I'm trying to think. I know I do something else. Andy, what else do I do? <laughs> uh, I feel like that's enough. Bells with Books? You bells and books. You yeah. This, yeah I people think that's people it. don't want to hear me that much, but that's that's what I got going on. And I, I just appreciate that you're here listening to any show. Um, and I know every podcaster you listen to does this, but um, two things that you could do is one, share us with your friends. Like if, if it's this this show or another show on the feed, um, share with your friends, people that you maybe even just kind of know and say, I think you would like this or Write a review on whatever podcasting app you listen to. That would be fantastic as well. Please. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Uh, as for me, uh, let me talk about what I do that's not on this feed first. Uh, that is PT, not PV. What? <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> Who's next? Which is our monthly look at NXT brand of WWE that. Usually drops the last Wednesday of every month. Myself and Logan Crossland. Our next episode, we will be wrapping up from the end of January up till now in February, and as well as talking about what happened at Vengeance Day as the NXT brand goes into their uh, their road to WrestleMania, which leads up to Stand and Deliver WrestleMania weekend. Uh, let's see. Also, find me on Stream Lounge. I'm usually there every Wednesday night. Uh, alternating between Blockbuster Rewatch, my latest uh, episode on there was Batman, and I always drop those as pods later on. And I'm going through a few more random uh, Blockbusters. Batman Returns, I believe, is up. No, Wakanda Forever is up next because I have the great Godfather, Nate Milton, to go back to. Uh, you know, he watched Black Panther with me. We're going to watch Wakanda Forever, and we're going to sink our ocular teeth. His phrase into back into the uh to that world of t'challa and shiri and all of them and then it'll be batman returns and then possibly armageddon and then I, I will be getting into the skywalker saga of star wars starting and going in theatrical release order on the other wednesdays i am doing the pixar rewatch series which at 8 30 i do starting at 8 30 i do three pixar shorts and then at nine o'clock i do the main event which is a pixar feature my next one as of this recording will be monsters university so i am really looking forward to that one that was a fun 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 movie and then in terms of podcasts i'm trying to revitalize a few older ones bring you know have some newer ones into the mix but as for the older ones laugh in theater i'm hoping to get that back into the rotation soon year and pop i always say that the thing about year and pop is it's a lot of uh prep work for that podcast so that's why we've been in such a, an extended hiatus on that one and as far as the newer pods cartoons of our youth my next episode i will be recording actually 
tonight, <laughs> you know, after, after we finish this one, and Tim Capel will be my guest on the second episode, and we will be talking about and watching two episodes of Gargoyles, his favorite cartoon. Oh, I love and then we have uh, Traitors of the Lost Arcs. We had some scheduling uh, hiccups with that one, but the new episode should be dropping in early to mid March. That's myself, Sean Kitt, Scott Shiflett, and Tim Capel. And I believe we are doing an Avengers arc that really has Hank Pym at the uh, focus of it. So that should be uh, a good time. And yeah, just lots of great stuff. Come follow us. Check us out. Uh, Streamlabs Miranda and I are going to be on there soon doing the Muppet movie so we can get back to our, our regular reviews of the Muppet Show for the Muppet Pod. And yeah, just just go see what's going on on the Wrestling Network, the NOSO, and the website. We have Steve mentioned another tournament starting up soon. You have to be a member of the Facebook group to participate in that. So y'all got to get in there if you aren't in there already. And we also have our stretch project, Greatest Pop Culture TV Comedies. So you have until July 31st to have your 100 Greatest TV Comedies listed out. We will get the uh, website together and probably allow people to start submitting around July 1st. And our the cumulative overall rankings will start to be revealed on Labor Day weekend. So uh, check that out. And that will be on dropping on Mondays on the site. And right now, dropping on Friday at noon on the site is the GWWE reveals. So check that out. All right, cool. So I think I've said enough. And thank you for taking this trip with us to Fuel China. And we will see you in the jungle, right, next month. Mm-hmm. Or... Miranda Berthold and Steve Rill. I am Andy Adams. Thank you for joining us on Pop Goes the Classics, and we will check you out on the next episode. Take care.